Hello, what's up, everyone? Welcome to a bonus episode of The One Inch Barrier. I am your host, Juan Carlos Ojano. Yay! I hope you're all staying safe and staying healthy and staying at home. And for this season, we are having a 2018 retrospective. Uh, we already had an episode on Roma. We discussed with Luca Gileberti. And now, for the bonus episodes this season, we are discussing the films that were nominated alongside Roma. So for the first bonus episode for this retrospective, we are talking about Lebanon's official submission for Best Foreign Language Film at the 91st Academy Awards. Yes, this is the last year of the category named Foreign Language Film. So for this episode, we're going to talk about, in English pronunciation, it's Capernaum, but it's actually Kafarnahum. It's written and directed by Nadine Labaki. So for a quick summary, it's about a boy named Zain who is charged um, for stabbing someone. And he goes to trial. And now he sues his parents for being born, for giving birth to him. So the film, the story goes back to the months before where Zain is living with his parents he loves his sister so much, Sahar, but when Sahar gets her minarchy, they try to hide it, but then she is married off to Assad, one of the store owners in their place. And then Zayn runs away, and then he meets uh, Tigest, or uh, Rahil, actually Rahil, um, a worker, a cleaner in an amusement park, who also is taking care of her own child named Jonas and then they try to live together because they are kind of trying to survive this tough world that they're living in and you know that's how the story goes and until we go back to the trial I'm not gonna spoil how he ended up there so that's a quick summary of Kafarnaum. so our guest for this episode is from Mexico and Canada he is a cinephile and a short filmmaker. We've talked about this for like an hour before this recording. We, we are. So please welcome Alejandro Donce. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to you. And what for this film. <laughs> um, yeah. Because we just had a chat, an hour of chat before this recording. And we had so much to talk about before we reach this point but can you tell the listeners where can they find you on the internet um sure they can find me on twitter and my twitter is alex a-l-e-x and my last name donce d-o-u-n-c-e um and i say i post a lot about films and pop culture and just regular you know fun stuff or that i find fun <laughs> yeah there you go so um that's fun because this film is not fun. Uh, is, um, it's a lot. Uh, when I ask you what you want to watch, I think you went with this one. I want to know. Oh, you did not? Oh my gosh. Did I give you this one? Well, no. I just want to mention that when you asked, I actually, yeah, I chose this one, but I asked why being from Mexico, I couldn't get Roma, but it's fine. I'm over it. Oh no, <laughs> bad blood. All right, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Kafarnahum. Uh, have you seen this before? And what do you 
What do, what do you think of it? Yeah, I, I saw it once. I saw it, it played at the Vancouver Film Festival the year it came out, so like almost three years ago now. And this was my first time watching it since that time at the festival. Um, it was actually really interesting going back. I don't typically rewatch movies that came out recently. I think I focus that more for like watching older movies. Uh, it, not because I don't want to. I think it's just like, oh, I, I saw that. I took it off the list. Move on. Um, so it was really interesting going back to this one because I know it, it generated some very polarizing reactions. And I liked it at the time. Um, I definitely wasn't as... Um, fascinated with it this time it, it it took me out a lot more this time so mm -hmm. can, can I ask what, what happened in the second viewing that gave you that reaction yeah I think you know it definitely felt a lot more exploitative um, and it, it was something that I think I was very aware of the first time that I saw it because I, I had a friend that uh, we used to go to the film, not all the movies, but some movies together, and he hated it. He, like, this was one of his least favorite movies in years. So I was like, oh, what caused the reaction? Um, and, you know, the term that came up a lot in the conversation was mystery porn, uh, which at the time I didn't fully agree with. And I, I, I was able to see where he was coming from. But what I liked about the movie is that I still found it you know, from a filmmaking perspective, really impressive. And just the way that um, Labaki, like, immerses you into the story and films the story and the actors convey the story is really, really well done. And to me, I, I was like, okay, I, I get this perspective from a more intellectual side, I guess. But from the emotional one, I was immersed. I was feeling the story. I was totally getting into everything that was going on um and this time it didn't happen this time it was a lot harder to connect this time it was like the intellectual part if you could call it that won out so all the feelings that i was like feeling of the stress and of frustration um it was harder for me to just get into the story and connect to that part and i think because of that it was easier to see the flaws and the things that i had originally not liked became more prominent this time. Wow. Um, that is interesting. Uh, I guess this is also the second time I watched this film. The first time. I don't know if it was for the Oscars or if it was already for the podcast that I watched Kafang Nahum for the first time. Um, I, I tried to be as keen on that perspective as much as possible this time because I know there were uh, people had problems with this film <laughs> and uh, there were, it were extremes there were people who just hated it and I, I was seeing it in my own timeline like people hating it and then loving it too and I was like for me I don't know I was trying to see where it could be accused of as misery porn or poverty porn um, because that conversation has come up a lot this recent award season with Nomadland and especially Hillbilly Elegy uh, those conversations like 
poverty porn and what's not. And I don't know if I just had my own idea of poverty porn <laughs> because one of the most well-known Filipino filmmakers is well-known for his poverty porn. I'm not going to name his name because he doesn't deserve it. But with this film, I was tr- I was thinking of that. I was trying to be conscious of it. And I might have to go the other direction and I say that in as much as there are these flourishes stylistically that either over uh, trying to you know capture that chaos with a very shaky camera sometimes and the editing can get um, can, can jive with it at times and then there there's also those um, drone shots that I am um, I oh that's one of my pet peeves it's not with this one I would say that there were actually places in the film where Labaki demonstrated restraint, which for me is key in separating this from poverty porn. Because I think with poverty, any kind of porn, misery, poverty porn, it's just like fully focusing on things almost without context. Of course, you know, it, it has been academically discussed what is poverty porn. So, I don't know, but just for me, my perception of, I don't know, porn in general, it's almost like immersing <laughs> without context, misery porn, poverty porn, and not trying to understand what is really, really, really happening on the subjects as well. Just, you know, relishing in the misery of it all. I found that we have such a strong character at the center with Zane. That's why... When he is in pain or misery, it always felt contextualized. Um, I'm not sure if you would agree in terms of like also the filmmaking, how it was being reflected. But um, I found this film to actually have a lot of compassion and empathy for its characters. And there isn't really... Um, of course, Zayn has a lot of anger. <laughs> He's an anger character. He has a lot to blame. But then when I get to see other characters also almost as if stuck with, you know, it's a tough life that you're living. It almost as it gives me empathy for everyone, except, except uh, Aspro. I don't have empathy for him. But other than that, <laughs> I was, I was understanding almost all sides to this. And it's not, it's not entirely everyone's fault. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think the film toasts the line between immersion and just uh, empty spectacle of the hardships of these characters. I think. No, you know what? I would actually fully agree with you on that. And I think that particular part is why it's connected with so many people. And I would, I would say that's one of the main reasons why I think I liked it so much. The first time, um, as you said, I think you the, the main uh, Zane's character is very very well uh, defined, and as a you know as a protagonist, he's very fascinating. He's very well drawn out, and uh, Zane's performance, like the actor performance itself, is also amazing. Um, I think it's one of the best child performances I've ever seen in my life. He's ridiculously good. 
And I think that's one of the main things that the film really sells you on. Um, so I would actually agree with you on that. I think for me, where it like it took me out a little bit more this time, and and I would I, I don't like the term misery point. I think it's I find it kind of a cheap criticism a little bit with you know when they call it a film emotional. To me, like all films are emotional. Like it's just a matter of whether you notice it or not, how much you immerse in the film. It's um, I think for this one in particular. What I wished, and I took more out of this time, is that I, while Lobaki does contextualize the feelings of the characters, I don't think she does a great job of contextualizing the situations. And, you know, for me, the, the weakest point of the movie is the framing device. So if you take that away, it actually, it would make it so much more, um, I think, Emotional and immersive. I think it takes you out. I think whether this was her intention or not, it ends up placing the blame on Simon's parents. And I don't think she ever cares or tries to contextualize their situation. You know, I think she she's too focused on these are all individuals who are, you know, living shitty life and who have been dealt a really bad set of cards and they're trying to do their best um and to me i think i wish she had questioned a little bit more how they get those cards in the first place because everything that they like exist within is not you know out of context they did that just didn't happen they didn't just happen to be born and exist in those conditions you know there's a reason why you know they're refugees the poverty um, why Zane's parents, you know, education, um, beliefs, whatever. Um, and I think the framing device and certain things that happen later on end up just sort of placing them as villains. And um, I think for me, I wish there was a little bit more understanding to not just Zane, but all the people and how they end up getting there. And to me, that would actually strengthen the film a lot um and the framing device that's does just that it's a it's a very potent sort of hook you know the idea of someone suing their parents because they were born it immediately grabs you um but yeah i wish if you took that out and just focused on the emotional part which is what she really succeeds at um like the close-ups and the editing the cutting everything like really really gets you in um both times that I watched it, I was just like amazed at how she actually got to film certain scenes. I was like, how did you even do this? You know, when she when she goes into the communities, um, oh, yeah. obviously all the scenes with the baby are yeah, best baby yeah. performance ever as well. Um, very good actor. Um, so all of those, to me, that was the strength of the movie. And... I don't know, maybe when I watch it a third time, I'll be able to reconnect again more with the emotional part and focus less on these uh, yeah. flaws that I, I noticed. This I was just going to ask, do you think that it would have worked better without a courtroom as a framing device? Oh, absolutely. I think it, it comes almost like borderline. Like, I don't, you know. Yeah, it just leaves a really bad taste in my mouth. Uh the, the way that that particular framing device it changes completely the perspective of the story and 
if the story was really meant to be about just, you know, a 12-year-old boy who is trying to survive and trying to get through life in very unfortunate circumstances, I do think it's a way to do that a lot more tactfully. And as you say, I think she actually shows a lot of restraint and she manages to get that. When you throw in the framing device, um, yeah, I think politically it's a lot murkier and the implications and the questions that that particular framing device lead to are not, you know, they don't leave me with a positive feeling. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, um, because the film starts already with the aftermath, right? It's, it's, it's like with him, with the kid. <laughs> being examined and then um, Rahil uh, already being one of those, um, I think she's going to be imprisoned. So there is already this, it starts when it's already happening. And we, because of that, it throws you right into the story without necessarily, you know, you know, rooting things. And for me, it, I don't know, I think it could have worked, but I understand where you're coming from in that, because it's so focused on Zayn, there are certain corners of writing in terms of contextualizing, for example, the parents. Um, because I think the parents do come off as villainous at, at certain points. And maybe it is also just right, Zayn's perspective, but the moments when they're trying to contextualize it, um, you know when the scene with the with the father, when he's saying that oh you want your papers, uh, yeah no papers like oh uh, that that's the kind of moment where it tries to contextualize it, but it's almost as if it, it sticks out because for the most part it's so personal it's so zeroed in on Zayn, and I don't know for for me it was engaging that we really get to stick with Zayn, but like like you said. It almost sacrifices the bigger picture, and with the courtroom, I'm 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 trying to remember it right now. The way the judge almost became just like a mediator. There's there's really a lack of. I don't know. Um, a lack of putting the system on the hot seat. Um, the way that. You know, they did in some of those lines where he's saying that, you know, it's not our fault that, you know, it, try to live a life with papers. You're, we're, you know, you're level up the papers. And then, and then when we get to the scene in the courtroom when there is this person in a higher position of power and we see it, uh, the, the trial unfolds as Zayn versus the parents. There's not necessarily a lot that goes beyond that. And even in, in terms of how Zayn is written, he says things like, you know, he really blames his parents. And that's actually a very powerful, uh, like I said, an entry point. Like uh, there's a kid who sues his parents for giving birth to me. That's, it's such a powerful hook. Yeah, now I see that point, that, that point of like, because of that perspective and the decisions in the film, it can get, you know, to not contextualize as much as probably needed or could give it more power. Yeah, and I, I think this extends a little bit more to, like, other things. Like, for example, 
um, like to me, what I think what sticks out is that it's sort of the bad situations for all these individuals exists in a vacuum. And I don't think that's really the case, you know, in the real world. So even, you know, not just seeing and his parents, but, you know, um, I forget the name of uh, Giordano's uh, Shifarov, for example, in the same thing. Um, I think um, the parents stick out immediately because I think it's a lot easier for the film to paint them as, you know, the bad guys or even not necessarily the bad guys, like the careless and selfish ones, um, saying he's the hero and the protagonist. Um, but, you know, with the refugees and uh, the the war and everything that really afflicting, not just Sahin, but everyone around him, I, I think, yeah, I would, I wish the film went out to bigger lengths to actually understand this is not just a bad situation, there's, you know, there's different factors that led to this, um, but, you know, sort of counter arguing with myself i think yeah. the reason it stuck out more this time the first time i think i was like conscious of that it was easier for me to sort of forgive it or to let it pass because i was like it's to me the film is more focused as you mentioned i think it's clearly more focused on the human component it's really just focused on following his day-to-day and you know understanding what he's going through and in that part i do think it succeeds and i think it's very emotional very heart-wrenching you know piece of filmmaking to watch so i i think i want you know i want to think that with that focus and with that sort of um point of view it actually succeeds it's something that has a sacrifice in the name of you know um the the point of view um and clearly doesn't work for everyone um i still don't hate the film I, i i don't have that sort of visceral reaction to it i just had a a I found it a lot more challenging to get mm-hmm. as immersed in this. Uh, yeah, not me. <laughs> no, I just say no, no, no. It's fine. Um, you know what? I think with what made me kind of, uh, I have more positive feelings this time because before it's just like, oh no, like I just want to cry, but this one. Um, I think Zayn's storyline alone, you know, when he's at home with Sahar, with the, with the first period, and then that that is some um, that is a storyline that, that is our way in for like first 30 minutes, and it's not the most pleasant one. I think where the film finds its strength is when Zayn is already in contact with Rahil, is because now there is this, yes, <laughs> there is another context Rahil and Tigest. When in my notes it's it's written Tigest. But then on the credits like I couldn't find her in the credits. So it's it's her other name, it's Rahil. And um I think the character of Rahil gives the film another layer. Not necessarily the layer that we can use to contextualize Zain. But how multifaceted this problem is in the film when he meets another character with another set of problems. And, you know, Zayn's problem is that, you know, he's been neglected by his parents. Rahil is an undocumented immigrant uh, coming in with a child. And there's so much stake that he is he is losing. She is probably uh, she has fears of being deported, of not being able to provide her family's needs in Ethiopia 
provide a fear that her child, like, where is her child going to be? Her child is sleeping in a cubicle of a bathroom. Um, I think that gives the film the balance it needs to, you know, like, make it more than just Zayn. And it's not as if films that are solely about one character is bad. I just feel like um, instinctively it, 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 it strengthens its emotional power when you have two characters and you see the layers of what they're working against. What, what do you think of that character of Rahil slash uh, the guest? Yeah, no, I actually agree with you a lot. I think the film goes to a next level, you know, when she shows up. Um, you know, I I think her appearance and the way they sort of connect, um, as you say, it doesn't maybe contextualize in the bigger picture, but it um, I think it contextualizes a lot their pain and their situation as individuals. And I think the solidarity that they show towards one another really strengthens the emotional part and really helps see it as a slightly not necessarily as a slightly bigger picture but um sort of i think really understand what you're going through and even you know i don't think the film necessarily is hopeful at any point because it's not it's just it's it truly is you know misery and bad things happening to these people for two hours straight but I think her introduction and their joint struggle and their ability, I think, to support one another after we've seen him pretty much be on his own, like his family against him for the first half or like the first part, uh, third of the movie. Her introduction actually, you know, it, it makes you think for a moment that, okay, you know, maybe things will get better for these two. Um, maybe, you know, they're going to the fact that they're both trying so hard and working so hard and the shared understanding of the situation that they're in is a very powerful emotion to kind of and i and i think it also helps that she's a very well drawn out character and her performance is actually it's also really really good i think yes um, and the baby i want to keep giving shout outs to the baby he he is you know i i don't know how they did it but um, all three of them make for a very, very powerful combo on screen, and it's very um, immersive. It's a, it's a really, it's genuinely a gripping story to watch the three of them. Um, so yeah, I actually agree with you that the movie is much better when she joins. And I actually, it was interesting because she's definitely what I remember the most. I remember after the first time I saw it, I, I, I don't know why in my mind, the first part where Sahin is pretty much on his own was like 15, 10 minutes and that's it. And then the entire film was pretty much him with Rahil and the baby. So I was actually surprised watching it again that she, yeah, you, like like you said, she doesn't really come in until like, like yeah. 30, 40 minutes into the movie. Um, and she actually also disappeared towards the end uh, for longer than I remembered. So... I, I don't know why in my mind I was like, yeah, she's in it for pretty much most of it. Um, it, it shows you how what the impact that character had. Yeah, she is so powerful. And uh, I think she's been my t- personal top five for supporting actress that year. Not that I 
Oh gosh, I just said that we should not think of always think about the <laughs> awards, but I enjoyed my top five that year. Um, so hypocrite. Um, <laughs> that performance just what I when I because you know I when I, when I think of Kafarnahu, of course I think about Zayn Rafia, who is such a powerful performer at the age of what is his age? Um, he's young. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, he's such a powerful performer, and the film is his. And um, my intern is really slow, so I cannot see his age. But oh yeah, he's 16 now. But then he is 2004, 14. He's 14, 13, 14 when when the 13. film was made. So powerful. But then I did not remember Jordano Schifferau. Who played Rahil slash the guest, and when I saw her again for the first time, you know, in that lineup of undocumented immigrants, and of course the first undocumented immigrant was like, "Oh, it's Michelle, the Filipina." Like, "Yep, we are on. Yes, that's us." Um, I just snapped back <laughs> to and remembered how powerful that performance is, and like I said, the kid, her name is. Boluwatife Treasure Bankola. She, uh, yeah. Yes. She played Rahil's son. <laughs> She's a girl. Um, I don't know how they <laughs> did it. A, a directorial thing. Like my when my mom was watching this with me, it's like they must have starved her. You know, when she was asking for like milk, like. I don't think that's how they would do it. I think they would. I don't know, but I don't think that's the most ethical thing to do. And I think with the compassion that I saw through the film, I don't think that's the most compassionate thing to do. But it's just like, you know, formalistic, formalistically, you know, we had things to say about the film, but in terms of how Labaki gets those performances, and she's the only seasoned actor here everyone else are like first time actors like um i don't know uh you're not you're done Schifferau is actually at one point before she shot the scene where they were arrested she was also apprehended i think for being undocumented or something like these are like first time actors doing this thing and they give just the rawest most unpretentious acting that um I've seen in this film, of course, in this film. So it's not like too much hyperbole, uh, but it's just so raw and so powerful. And then even, you know, with the parents, they've been villainized for the most part of the film. What When they were already saying that, you know, it's not our choice necessarily. You know, they, they, I think they go deep than what is just written on paper. And, I'm just surprised and thrilled to see these performances. Um, I agree that uh, the, the relationship with with uh, Rahil, the guest, <laughs> really confused with the names. It's it it also gives way to more levity because they jive together, and in the scenes where the film could have easily just milked. The emotional moments, especially near the end, um, the I think the film showed some surprising restraint in as much as it really instead of 
I remember that scene when Zayn was called out of jail, and then Rahil realizes that Zayn is in the same jail. She, she was screaming for Zayn, and that moment kind of stayed. And then, of course, later Rahil is reunited with um, with Jonas. But I think these moments were handled just you know right before it tips into something like, all right, this is too much. I think it just goes for maximum emotional impact without you know crossing the line but i agree that performance is really wonderful and that phone call with rahil uh when she makes it's it's in a single take um it's just camera's not moving i love how it's her she's kind of semi-obscured when she's making that call to her family it's really heart-wrenching stuff and um Hey, what's up? Thank you for listening to this preview of this bonus episode. If you want to hear more, please head to patreon.com slash the one inch barrier for only $4 a month. Not only do you have full access to bonus episodes, but you also get early access to regular episodes. Again, thank you so much. And together, let's break the one inch barrier. Mm -hmm.